before we get started, we're going to go ahead and open up in prayer, and then we'll get started with tonight's message. Lord, Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we come today, God, Lord, to just humble ourselves before you, God. We come today, God, just to, to believe and trust in you, Lord. We pray, God, that as we watch this video or as we sit in this room, God, that we will just humble our hearts and our minds, God, so that we may receive your word, that we may understand your word, and that you'll give us the ears to hear, Father, Lord, that we may just receive it and walk in it, Father. Lord, we trust, God, that these are your words and not my own, Father, and I pray, God, that I'll be a willing vessel for you tonight, God, that we'll all be willing vessels for you tonight, God, whether it's sharing a prayer request or, or praying for somebody, whatever any of us may be doing tonight, God, we pray that we will do it solely for your purpose, God, and not for our own. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I'm going to give Ashley a moment to put the verses in the chat. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Um, in our first section, we're going to kind of mainly focus on uh, verse 8. But I'll go ahead and read that, and we're going to skip from 13 to verse 21 as well. So Ashley's getting those in there for y'all. She gave me, the, gave me the look, so we're good to go. Let's go ahead and read. It says, in the eyes of both of, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that, that they were naked, and that they... And they sewed uh, fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God, Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the, among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, then the, man said the woman whom you gave to, me, gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the, Lord God, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now let's skip down to verse 21 here. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. So this series we're going to do, it's going to be a short series. We're talking about restoration. And to give everyone a brief idea of what we're going to be talking about, I want to describe the definition of restoration. And that definition is the act of returning something back to its original intent, purpose, or condition. So to be restored means to be brought back to what you were originally created to be. So in this series of restoration, I want to talk about our purpose, why we were made, why we were created, and that's what we're going to focus on today. And by the end of it, I want you to see that God from the beginning had a divine plan so that we may receive back the condition that we were created in that we may be back where God wants us to be, where he, the purpose he created us for, that we can get back to that. So, I want to break down, and we're going to mainly focus on verse 8 here real quick. And it says, They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And as we break that down, 
we can start to understand what, how close Adam and Eve were with God. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, don't worry about chapter 1. They tell kind of the same story. But Genesis chapter 2 gives us a little bit, a little bit more elaboration on Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 2, God talks about making man, and he creates Adam. And he creates Adam so that he can be with Adam, so that he can walk with him, he can talk with him. It gives him someone to have a relationship with. And so God creates Adam, and he says, you know what Adam needs? He needs a place to stay. He needs a place that we can meet each other at. And so God makes this holy meeting ground called the God, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied, called the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, God says, not only am I going to make this a meeting place, but I'm going to make this a perfect place for Adam. I'm going to make sure he has all the fruit that he can eat. He's going to have all the, the trees and stuff that he can tend to. He's going to have all the animals. And the funny thing is, is that God, the, the Bible describes it as God creates all of this, and he just drops Adam into the garden. It is almost like watching a child, how he describes it. Because Adam walks around, and God's showing him the animals. And then God says, the Bible says that Adam called the animals what they were called, and God left it that way. It's like a little kid. You know how they pronounce things funny? And then eventually you notice that you'll start saying it that way? Like you hear, you hear one person say something a little funny, and it's like, that's not how you say it. But it's funny, and when little kids do it, it's cute. Shock, as I used to say, with my with my delightful lisp. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I had to go to speech therapy because Grandma taught me how to talk, and it did not go well. <laughs> I said things like shock when I was trying to say shark, and I had my best friend whose name was Ray, and I called him Way. All through elementary school, so that was very fun. Um, so. You, you hear these things, you start pronouncing them this way. Even I can do it now. I, I don't even speak with that same lisp or whatever you would call it, but I can still say the word the way I used to say it. That's exactly how I said it. And people, people thought I was saying sock when I would say shark because that's just how I said it, and I can still do that. My mom can probably still do that. Ashley can still do that, and, he, and she didn't even hear me do it other than when I do it right now. So, you know, you hear those things, and you go, oh, this kind of it's kind of cute, though. And then you notice, like, you'll start saying them that way by accident. And so God desires a relationship so much with Adam that he puts him in this perfect place. And when Adam starts calling things certain things, and he, he sees a lion, and he goes, that's a lion. And God's like, yep, that's a lion. That's, that's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, I wasn't, thinking, I wasn't thinking a lion, but sure, we'll call it that. He sees a bear, and he's like, that's a bear. And so God desires that relationship so much that Adam is naming his creation, and God probably had a name already picked out for him. I don't think he created the birds, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to call these fowls. And Adam's like, I'm going to call them birds. And he's like, all right, birds sounds good. Sounds good. He desired that relationship so much. And so he desires it so much, but he also desires Adam to be happy. And so he gives Adam all these things, and Adam's like, that's great. It's great. But he knows that Adam is still lacking. So he creates Eve to be that pair. Someone like Adam 
so that Adam can walk around with God, but Adam also has someone else like him that he can walk around. He desires for us to be happy. He desires to be with us, to walk with us, to talk with us. And so I say all that to say this. When you flash forward into Genesis chapter 3 and you get to verse 8, you start to notice that even though Adam and Eve slipped up, they had such a great relationship with God that when he came down daily, they knew he was coming. They understood the sound of God walking in the Garden of Eden. And I say that because if you're like me when you were a kid, right, and you were, you were 9 or 10, and you had your Game Boy playing Pokemon like I did, and your mom's like, you need to go to bed at 9. You're like, okay. You leave the TV on because I used to sleep with the TV on. And I would play that game. And the second I started hearing, I don't know if y'all can hear that on the mic, but it was stomping. I, I could hear my mom walking and knew she was coming. And I could, I could hide it under my pillow real quick. And she just said exactly what I said. Doesn't mean I was good at it, but I knew she was coming because I understood how she sounded like when she walked through the house. I can still tell you how grandma sounds like walking through the house. They walk about the same, but it's very loud. Very loud. Ronnie's the only silent one. He's like a ninja. You don't know where Ronnie's coming. But I lived in that house, right? I understood the sounds of the people who lived in that house because I was with them daily. And so I understood those sounds, and I heard those sounds, and I knew, hey, this is, this is what was going to happen. I knew when mom said, Damien, and I go, what? And then wait a minute and hear nothing, that that meant I was supposed to get up and go to her. That's what it, that's what it meant. And so that's how it works, right? You understand these people's qualities because you've been around them long enough. And I'm probably digging a hole right now. Ashley's giving me a, a weird look, but whatever. I, it's the prove a point. So I'll take it. So Adam and Eve understood God so well because they were with him daily. And that doesn't tell you that God didn't want, didn't desire a relationship with them. Then I don't know what else can. Because if you want to spend time with somebody, you're going to spend time with them as much as you can. And the thing that God desired a relationship so much with Adam and Eve that he went all the time. The God of the universe, the God who created them, the God who created the animals that they named, the God that created the Garden of Eden that they're walking around in, desired to be with them so much that he wanted to go with them every day. He wanted to go and talk with them. And it wasn't, it, 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 the other thing that's kind of funny, I'm, stum, I'm stuttering a little bit, the other thing that's kind of funny, every other encounter with God in the Bible other than Jesus, it does not describe God walking around like a normal human being. It doesn't say God was a giant stomping on the Garden of Eden like you see, you know, in the movies where the, you know, the ground shakes like a T-Rex. No, God was walking, just walking. They knew how, they knew how he sounded when he was walking. He came down to, in, this, in this smaller form just to be with them. It wasn't, hey, I'm just going to talk to you in your head. Or you may hear an audible voice, but you may not see me. No, they saw him. They heard him. He had interactions with them. 
And so God desired that relationship so much to be with his creation that he did that. And he desires it even so much more when you go to verse 21, because when, in verse 21, even though they've already failed, even though they've already had these issues, even though they've already hurt and angered God, even though they knew they were naked, and that wasn't his plan for them to know they were naked, he made clothes for them. He made clothes for them to walk around in. After seeing their clothes and, go, and, and, and shaming them almost, because that wasn't what he created them to know. It was a proof that they, entered, they let sin enter their lives. And so even though God already saw that and God saw this divide that started after they ate the fruit, God still made clothes for them. And so God starts to see where they're slipping up. Because we can look in the verses here and we can hear the word fear. And now, I, you know, I've made the joke before that if God talked to me, I would probably be so scared. I probably would not be, yes, Lord, it is I. I would, I would be like, uh-uh, nope, I heard something talk to me. Nope, I'm getting out of there. Right? But that's where fear came in, was with the fruit, because fear came with knowledge. And so... The second that Adam said he was afraid, God already knew what he did. God knew before it happened. God knew the second he couldn't find them. He knew where they were at. But he knew that once this knowledge was gained, their fear set in. And it's almost like they started to realize just how powerful God was. It's almost a blissful ignorance that they were in. You know, we, we say ignorance and bliss and this is bliss, and this may be why. Because they didn't realize God, you know, they probably knew God was the one who created everything, but the power and the, the thought behind that didn't set in for them. Instead, they said, this is God. He comes down and he walks with me daily. But see, it was after they ate the fruit that they said, we're naked. We shouldn't be in front of God that way. It's God. He created everything. And so the same words that you said before now have a different meaning. The shame has set in, the fear has set in, and that separation has started. The gap between God and man was already formed. Because now it can't just be a regular relationship with God. It has to be something more because now it is seen as the creator and the creation, not, not family, not a father, not someone who cares for you. It is, it is, it's just like the same thing as saying Apple and Steve Jobs, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a family relationship. Steve Jobs didn't tr treat his Apple iPhone like his son, I, 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 I can probably guarantee you. It wasn't his child, it was his work. And so you start to see Kind of the same thing happened here is that God is wanting to look at them as his children, but Adam and Eve are looking at God as their creator, the only person that can see every single one of their flaws. 
just how we say it today, that God sees our flaws, he knows our flaws. But for Adam and Eve, that didn't really set in. They didn't think about flaws. They weren't thinking about they were naked. I guarantee you they looked at themselves and they weren't happy with it. Because that's what that knowledge did. And so we see this shift that happens in the relationship. We see that shift of a relationship turning into almost an agreement of how things should run between them and God. Of We should fear God because he is so much greater than we are. And I want to I go ahead and skip over. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read verses 3 through 7 real quick. And I'm going to give Ashley a second and everybody a second at home if you're flipping open your Bible. Good on you. Good on you. If you're not, hey, that's fine. We put them in the comments. Um, so I'm going to give everybody a second here. Let's go ahead and read this real quick. Are we good? Okay. She gave me the nod, guys, so we're good. We're good. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. He grew sad. He pouted a little bit, had a little temper tantrum, stormed off. I don't get why God didn't like my stuff. And so it says, so the Lord said to Cain as the father, not the creator, but he said, why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you, why are you pouting? I guarantee you most parents have said that to their children at one point. Most children have heard it from their parents at one point. If it was me, I was a sore loser. I remember going bowling, and I was terrible at it. And I was so mad. I said, why are you pouting? We're just trying to have a good time. And so God did this, and he was laying out the foundation that should show them, hey, I want this relationship with you. I'm, I'm trying to have a good time with you. But you have to do it the right way. And so Cain was so angry and he, he was so upset because God said, hey, I appreciate it, but that's not good enough. He didn't, tell, he didn't tell Cain, I will never accept it. God gets a little more dramatic later on in the Old Testament. We, we heard it, okay? It's because he's fed up. But right now he's like, I'm still trying to make this work. Just We got to do a little better. It's okay, bud. We just got to do a little better. And so it says in, in verse 7, if you do well, this is God talking to Cain again. I'm sorry. I, I, I got in the middle of something. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And, it, and, it, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And so in verse 7, that's our, that's our key verse. If you want to highlight it, if you want to mark it, you go ahead and do it because that's our key verse in this whole point right here is that we, we hear God go to the pounded cane, and he goes, hey, bud, let's talk a little bit. 
let's sit down. I'm God. How are you doing? Um, you know, we can do better. I'm here for you. Let's talk about it. And he says, hey, if you, if you do well, you know I'm going to accept it. I just said it needs to be a little better. Just a little bit. And if you don't, I want you to realize what you're doing. I'm going to lay it all out for you. God was a very honest, honest God, is a very honest God. I shouldn't say was. That's past tense. He is a very honest God. God is going to shoot you straight in the way that you best understand it. For me, God is a little bit sarcastic because that's the best way I understand things, and I'm a very sarcastic person. And so God says, okay, if you do well, you know I'm going to accept it. And that's what you want. You want to be accepted. Okay, he's like, yeah, obviously. We all do. You're God. And then he says, but if you, if you don't do well, then sin lies at the door. What does that tell us about sin? It's waiting. And what that tells us about sin is waiting is that sin, the thing that started with the fruit, the thing that started when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, right? The thing that caused the gap between God and man was not present at that time. It means that God had already started to bridge the gap. He had already set a plan in place. See, he was telling Cain is that this offering is important so we can be close. Because if you don't do it right, we will be separated. I am trying to remain with you. And so we all know how this goes. We all know what happens with, between Cain and Abel, and we all know what God does to him. But I say that to say this, is that God has bridged the gap in the present day as well, and we'll get to that at the end of the series. But what we have to understand is, is that when God comes to you and he says, hey, you're slipping, you're drifting, you're falling back, you're, falling, you're backsliding, you're caught in the motions, whatever you want to call it, you have to realize that God is giving you a point. He is giving you this moment to say, do I want to go and fix it, or do I want the gap? Do I want the gap that is going to separate me from God, a gap that I cannot cross? It is a chasm that you cannot cross on your own. The only thing is that God has to close that chasm, that chasm that we call sin, that separates us. And so we know that by God saying sin is at the door, we know that sin had already been pushed back. It, the gap had already been closed by the offering, by the sacrifice. And see, God's problem with Abel's sacrifice, not Abel's, Cain's sacrifice, is that it didn't pay the, ply, the price of blood. It was fruit. And fruit is a living thing, yes. But see, sin was a blood debt. And so when Abel sacrifices the lamb, it covers that blood debt. It's, it allows that gap to be closed. And this is God's plan. This is his plan A, right? Everything is working great. Because it says later, after all the Cain and Abel stuff happens, if you look um, 
if you look in verse 26, I know I didn't say this, um, they, they start naming more children of Adam and Eve. And it says, the man began to call on the name of the Lord. So they were still worshiping God and they were still offering these sacrifices. They were still doing these things that they need to to close the gap and have a personal relationship with God. Now we know eventually that goes south and everything, but God keeps bringing it back. Abraham offered burnt offerings. Moses, Israel. And so it goes on and keeps going down the line and down the line of if you want to be close with God, this is what you have to do if you want that personal relationship with him. And so as they're going through this, we start to see that Israel is being told the same thing that Cain is told in a very different way. In that as they hear this, they start backing up a little bit. God tells them, sin is at the door. I will punish you. I'm not trying to see this happen again. I've watched it happen. And so God keeps seeing it happen. He keeps seeing Cain repeating himself. He keeps seeing them do well for a time, mess up, get offended, slip back. Mess up, get offended, slip back. Messed up, get offended, slip back. And he watches it, and he watches it, and he watches it, and he watches it. And then he, he, he starts to realize, this isn't going to work. This isn't enough. Because even when Israel, now I say, I say that Israel messed up the sacrifice. Let me, let me tell you this. They did not mess up the sacrifice all the time. But see, their sacrifice became something less about a relationship with God and became more of a ritual. It became what they knew and what they understood. And that if they wanted to be forgiven of their sins, if they wanted to close that chasm, then they needed to do this. The whole point of being close with God and having that personal relationship with God had, had fallen by the wayside. It was now, if you do this, you won't be in suffering. If you do this, good things will happen for you. We hear it in churches today. If you ask for God to be in your life, then, then good things will happen for you. You'll be blessed. You'll have prosperity. But that's not the case. That's not why you should become a Christian. That's not why we become Christians. You feel a tug on your heart, and you feel God call you to be saved, and you accept it. But it's not because I want wealth, or I want to do good in my job, or I want a new house, or I want all these things. Yeah, some of that stuff happens, and that's great. But the point of it is going, I want to walk with him. I want God, when he is walking beside me in my life, I want to be able to hear his footsteps and recognize that he's there. I want that every step that I take, I can hear him taking another step with me. I can hear another stomp going along with me. And so we see God's frustration. I'm going to go to the book of Hosea, um, chapter 6, verse 6, in the New Living Translation, because I like the, the way this is worded. And it, it means the same thing in King James for all you people who like King James. But uh, New Living Translation puts it a little bit more clear. And so I'm going to read this real quick. You don't have to flip it open. But it says, I want you to show love. 
not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Now, this is God talking. God talking to Israel, and that if you read in the earlier chapters of, of Hosea, that you hear him tell Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. And this is, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, this is, this is the exact story. Marry a prostitute, prostitute, and then God compares Israel to the prostitute. And so the prostitute cheats on him, and he's angry. And that's chapter 2. And then you go into chapter 3, and then God says, go forgive her. Because just like Israel, he's using, he's using this as an example to say, Israel's like this. She, she'll be with you, and then she'll be away from you. She'll cheat on you with other gods. And it makes you angry. It makes me angry because I'm God, and I'm trying to have this relationship with you, but you keep walking away from it. But I'm still going to forgive you. Yeah, there'll, there'll be punishments. Yeah, there'll be things that, that I'm going to be angry about, but I'm still going to keep forgiving you. And I'm still going to keep bringing you back because you're the one that I married. And that's the relationship God has with us. Is that God is, this isn't a creator and creation. This is, this is a marriage. This is the bridegroom and the bride. This is me and my church, as Jesus calls it. And so God desires that relationship. He doesn't just want the ritual. And we, we say, this is talking about sacrifices, but I want you to compare it to church. If your ritual is to come to church three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, you come every single day. But if that is your ritual, if you do that not because you're trying to show love to God, but because you are doing it because that's just how you do things or that's just what you do, Read this verse again. Because God doesn't want you sitting in a pew if your heart's not in it. He doesn't want you singing worship songs if you're just singing words, if it's not personal. He doesn't want you saying, oh, how much I love God, if you don't. He doesn't want you doing all these steps and asking for repentance of sin. He wants the relationship. Yes, God wants us to be saved. Yes, he wants us to be in heaven with him. Because guess what? That is how he bridges the gap. He says, sacrifices weren't enough, and Jesus is enough. But you know what? I want one step closer. I'll fix everything else. Everything that got screwed up before, I'll fix it so I can walk with you so I can be with you, so that when I come and walk with you, you hear the sound of my, my footsteps, and you know that it's me, because you know how close we are, because it's a daily thing. I guarantee you, Ashley can tell you a million things that she had her eyes closed that I do, and she could tell you what I'm doing, because she lives with me. She is my wife. Same thing with you and your spouses. I guarantee you mama could tell you Ronnie's daily routine from the second he steps in the door. And that's what God wants with us. He wants to know. He wants us to know what he's going to do. And so, God 
God goes through his plan A. He goes through the sacrifices until he's sick of it. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. That means it's closer to the end of the Old Testament. And so he goes through this. And most of the minor prophets say about the same thing. About how Israel falls back and how God wants them back. And so it keeps going through the same process and same process. And God's like, finally, you know what? Okay, I'm done. I'm done. This isn't working. It's not working for you because you're just making it a ritual. It's not working for me because I keep getting angry that you backslide. So I have to make a plan B. And that plan B was Jesus. That plan B was saying, okay, they've shed a lot of blood and caused me a lot of aggravation. So hopefully if I take the ritual part out of it, if I take the thing that I require them to do and I take that part out, then maybe they'll see what the original intent was. That wasn't just about salvation. It wasn't just about cleansing your, you know, making yourself not feel guilty for what you've done. But it's about having that relationship because God doesn't care about what you've done. He doesn't care about your guilt. Ask Adam and Eve. He still made them close. He still showed his love to them. He followed them out of the garden. He said, you can't come back in here, but guess what? I know I was with you here, and I could walk with you here, but that's okay. You can't go back there, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm not staying there. I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you, and I'm coming with your children, and I'm coming with your children's children, and then your children's 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 children. You know, we can keep going down the list. I'm going to be with you. And so God sets his plan in motion. And that's what we're going to talk about on the 27th. And like I said, we'll finish up around Palm Sunday. My brain went blank. Thank you, Ashley.